big shout out today to my friends at the Vancouver Island Works Project. They are sponsoring today's episode and they've also created a website for me at operationtraumarecovery.org. So kind of them and so generous. A fantastic company I invite you to go check out at viwproject.com. Their suite of services includes consulting, training, mentorship, web services, and digital marketing. So if you need a kick-ass website, go check them out. viwproject.com, Vancouver Island Works Project. Hello, all you beautiful souls. Thank you for joining me on Operation Tango Romeo, the podcast. Today is a special day. Uh, Just earlier, we had Paul Brandt on the show. And right now, for the first episode of its kind for my show, I'm doing what I'm going to call a bonus episode series. The bonus episodes are with uh, really cool and interesting people. That's you, Terry. (laughs) Cool and interesting people that I just want to have a chat with and uh, share with the audience and has nothing to do with uh, with trauma recovery right and um so back on the show is terry grant otherwise known as man trekker how are you it's good to see you brother yeah it's good to be back thanks so much for coming on again uh the the show that we did was a by far my top performing oh good uh good, good. episode and some of the comments on it were hilarious that was like, quite a few years ago too wasn't it? yeah it's a few brother it's a yeah. few uh one of them's like well where's his hat yeah. like the dude's wearing <laughs> headphones like what do you want me to yeah. do here yeah, you gotta take hat off anyway so yeah yeah that's it um and the show's been off for 11 years yeah yeah we've been done for 11 and people it's, still recognize you yeah we still get quite a bit yeah it's, i guess now it's out on amazon prime or something like that so is it yeah so there's episodes on there you can watch now and i think they're still all on youtube oh okay you tune into that you can watch it like, like the full episodes on youtube yeah oh is that they, right they used to be i don't know if they still are or not out of all the episodes um like which ones got the best ratings are there a couple that that, are, that no are standouts clue. um i never got any of the um the numbers or stats from all the different shows. I just knew that every year the ratings were going way up. Well, you did six seasons, right? Yeah. And about how many episodes per season? Um, we did, uh, what, 59 in all. Like some years okay. we did eight, some years we did 13. So it, it varied every year. Out of those 59, are there any real standouts for you? All of them. <laughs> <laughs> There's a few. You had a ball. Oh, I had a blast. It was so good. I got to see some cool country that, you know, cowboys, as you travel around ranch to ranch, you get to see a lot of neat country. But I got to go all over Canada and a whole bunch of the states and see some amazing country that you never would have seen unless you were on a horse. So, yeah, it, it was pretty cool. Pretty cool. Met some great people. And Any locations that uh, really stand out for you? Um, every, everywhere was really cool. Um, I was getting a little sick in northern Ontario. We filmed there every fall and just because of the colors and stuff. And yeah, and it's kind of a grumpy country on horses. It's, it's not real fun. Cause the shield. Yeah. Yeah. It's rock and swamp and trees and cliffs and stuff. And it, it was tough on horses. So it, I was getting, you know, to where it was like, yeah, okay. I like going there, but I, for the people and stuff, but the country really wasn't doing it for me anymore. Yeah. Um, Colorado was pretty interesting. Um, 
I didn't notice it because I'm on a horse, but my cameraman, he was puffing pretty good. And, and he's, Oh, the altitude. Yeah. And I didn't realize we were that high. And cause I'm looking up and there's tree line and I'm thinking, okay, that's 6,500. We got to be around six. And we were more like 8,500. Oh, okay. You're up. My cameraman was, yeah, he was sucking wind pretty bad. Was he a smoker? No, God, no, no, he did. He did uh, adventure racing. So he was in good shape. He must have been in insane shape because he's, well, he's he's keeping up with the uh, with the contestants, yeah. carrying a big ass camera. Well, yeah, there there was two cameramen with the prey, and then one with me, and my cameraman was just a little guy, and he he would didn't adventure racing, and um, and everybody said you must be in amazing shape keeping up with them horses, and he says, well, not really. He not- says all day between you know seven in the morning and seven at night we go 20k maybe 15 to 20k and he says if i'm not working i jog 10k before breakfast (laughs) so walking 15k with this 12 pound camera is really not a big deal not that big of a deal so but there was days there was different country kind of kicked his butt too and you know lots of ups and downs and stuff and if we had long tramps around somewhere if the prey you know went across the lake and I had to go around the lake. Quite often, I'd grab his camera and set it on my saddle horn. And he'd just jog along behind us. Okay. And when something was going to happen, I'd just hand him back the camera. And then you're good to go. Yeah. Yeah. So it saved him a little bit of time, and he could just jog along behind us. And he didn't slow me down, and we didn't change anything or nothing happened different. So. Have any uh, dangerous close calls in all those episodes? Um, well, I guess the worst one, her name was Kathy. <laughs> no there's uh we ran into a few bears uh the prey had down in that uh southern alberta part they they were followed by a cougar oh um but that's all on video and stuff like that and we uh we had lots of bears up in the yukon when we were filming there was there was lots of times where the bear tracks were on top of the prey's tracks which i was following and there was times we could smell the bears never got to see a big grizz up there but i know i was within probably 20 yards of one at one point yeah they get a bit stinky you can smell them sometimes oh yeah oh yeah you can smell them all the time and did you see a bigfoot in all those episodes not one god damn it not one i had had, yeah i don't know if i told you last time i had yeah that's where i was going the boat yeah i was doing a charity thing in calgary and (laughs) the guy came up and he says yeah me and that my buddy over there, we bought a boat and he says, what do you think of it? And I said, I don't know. I haven't been on it. He says, well, you're supposed to be working with these two people. And he said their names. And I said, no, I have no clue who they are. He said, well, they said you were on the boat and they were going up and down the West coast of the States and Canada. Whenever there's a Bigfoot sighting, you're going in and tracking them. I said, well, I'd love to see your boat someday. And he grinned and shook his head and then he walked over and talked to his partner and I says, can I go with you when you, you know, confront these guys? And they went, no, it's not going to be pretty. <laughs> <laughs> we don't so, want witnesses for what yeah, we're going to exactly, do to them. Exactly. So, so yeah, it was a few years after that, that uh, I met him again and he says, yeah, we had a little chat with them. And they're, they don't, they're not on the boat anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so, How do you like my boat, Terry? What yeah, boat? What the what hell are you boat, talking yeah. about? I don't know. Yeah. There's, um, oh shit, where was I going to go? I had something. It was right there. Les Bins, uh, the, not Les Bins, uh, that's a, a Everest summit here. Um, Les Stroud, 
Yes. Yeah, Survivor Man. Yep. Uh, he, he's a he's a Bigfoot guy. He actually had some Bigfoot encounters. Well, yeah. Do you, are you a believer, Terry? Mm, no. Would you like to be a believer? I I would like to run into one of these big dudes. Yeah. And I'd like to you know see their tracks and because it puzzles me that they can find these great big huge tracks, but nobody can follow them any more than two steps. Yeah. I'm like, okay, that's a, you know, a little bit suspect there. And you've never seen any of the YouTube footage. Some of it is good. No, I haven't. I, there's this big foot. I just ignore it. <laughs> there's this one guy, some of the footage. I mean, I either he's got some Hollywood production special effects uh, ability, or it was a freaking Bigfoot. Right. Uh, but he had relationships. Like they, they just kind of tolerated his presence. They knew he was there. And he had names for him and followed a whole um, uh, family of them for years and has all kinds of like detailed, like you see the facial expressions on them, detailed footage, oh, wow. right? Uh, th there's some interesting stuff out there. Hmm. And is it real? I don't know, but I sure wish it was. Well, if it was real, there'd be, you know, there'd be bodies, there'd be dead ones. There'd, there, they always seem to be grown adults and there, you never see or hear of any young ones or any old sick ones and they never find any parts or, you know, what do they live off in the Northwest in the winter? You know, they can't, they can only get so much out of pine cones. Yeah. I don't know. But the, um, but the same argument that was with like Wolverines, I mean, how often do you see a bloody Wolverine? Not very often. No, they're, they're rare as hen's teeth. Those are. Yeah. I've seen two. Yeah. At, uh, it, ever during the show, do you ever see a, a wolf? Uh, we did. We did on the show once up in the Yukon. We were up fairly high and uh, we saw this thing jumping kind of through the brush down below and cameraman zoomed in on it and it was a wolverine. So that was one. And then I saw one when I was guiding way up there in the 80s. I saw a fisher once. Yeah. I was up around Cold Lake you know, driving on some backcountry road and I saw this fish, a fisher with a rabbit in its mouth. Oh, wow. I'm like, oh, that's cool. Yeah, that would be neat. Yeah, that is something. Do you have any uh, cool wildlife in, uh, encounters uh, where you see like uh, like a duck getting grabbed by a raptor? No, nothing like that. The one thing that did surprise me, we, uh, we were filming up around Smithers with Mark, my guide, and there was a little wee, probably a year and a half old black bear, came running out of the bush, looked at us, and jumped down off the road and then went up a tree and the horses stood there probably 10 yards away from this bear and it ran, ran up the tree and they're looking at it and it's like big deal. And the horses started to eat grass and we were watching it and stuff and, and everything was fine until that little bear started to come down the tree. Then the horses absolutely freaked. They just went stupid. They turned around and they were leaving that country. See you later. And we're like, jerking their face around trying to get them back to look at the bear and they'd look at it and leave. Yeah. And finally the bear left and man, I'll bet you it took us five minutes to get him, get us past that tree. The bear was up. <laughs> it's like scared the crap out of him. Going up wasn't a problem. Coming down it was. Yeah. Which surprised me a little because it's just a dog to them, you know? Yeah. So well maybe their yeah, pre their their prey predator instincts were kicking in. Yeah. Could be. They thought, oh if it's coming down, that's not good yeah. for me. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty little though. But yeah. we ran into quite a few black bears, but they were, uh, you know, black bears are a little more timid than the big brown guys. Know anybody that's ever had to fight one? A black bear? Yeah. No, I, I met a, the, the one girl that was mauled by a grizz uh, up north last two years ago. I uh, 
I've talked to her two or three times. I haven't met her yet. And um, I know another lady used to hunt with her husband. She got mauled by a grizz 10, 12 years ago down south. But uh, nobody that's uh, been attacked by a black bear that I know. I think that uh, for backcountry, we should be able to, to hold a revolver on our hip like they do in the States. You know, there should be a spe- and there is a special license to do exactly that yes. if you're a trapper. But do you know, have you ever heard of anybody else that can get that license for there, doing backcountry? There, there's outfitters that do have those, those licenses. Um, it's, it's pretty rare, yeah. but I, I think all outfitters should have the right to carry one because, you know, a horse breaks its leg, you know, what do you do? Club it with a stick, you know, you yeah. got to put it down to be humane about it. And I think all outfitters should be able to have a gun under their arm and and, you know, I don't care if there's a special course on how to use it or whatever. Yeah, that's cool. That's that's fine. That's part of the rules. But I think all outfitters should be able to pack one. Yeah, well, there's the guide guns, right? Like a short little 45, 70 yeah. uh, guide gun. But yeah. that's, even a small guide gun is, is awful large. And getting to it quick enough mm-hmm. when you need it is a bit of a challenge. You run into a bear on the trail and your horse bucks you off, there goes your gun. Yeah, well, that's it. You know, but you got a 44 Magnum on, on your hip. Yeah. Uh, and I know people that have lived back country where they're running a trap line, living with their family in, in a, um, in a wall tent mm-hmm. and that's their life. Yeah. Like Northern BC, that stuff like that and law or no law, they're carrying a 44 Magnum on their side, on their hip and, and I, they've I, used it. And I think the trappers can only carry like a 22 or something, can't they? Uh, Just for dispatching the animals in the traps. I don't know. I, I, I thought that for for predator protection, they can care. And it has to be something big, like a 44 yeah, Magnum. Yeah. 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 You don't want to take a knife to a gunfight. No, no. It's, it's got to have some punch to it. Yeah. You've got to be able to stop. Um, out hunting for moose, me and a buddy had the world's scariest <laughs> bear encounter. So uh, he's a younger hunter, doesn't have a lot of experience. Yeah. And... So I, I wouldn't say I was guiding him, but he had, he had his draw for moose anyway, and right. he was listening to me anyway. And I, now he doesn't know what it was. There's a lot of shithouse luck that was going on there. Yeah. So quite often there is. Yeah. Put, put a, put him on a moose, like right off the bat first morning. I'm like, well, that doesn't happen every day. No. <laughs> That's pretty, I'm no. sure. But, and a good one. He had a nice track on him and uh, leveled up, dropped the moose, didn't kill it. Like oh, wow. son of a bitch. And the, yeah. uh, the deadfall up around cold Lake was unbelievable. Yeah. So going 80 yards might as well have been 10 miles, <laughs> Yeah. you know, and, um, I like man tracker was not going through there with his horse. I'll tell you that. Uh, so I got up to it. I ended up dispatching the moose cause it was still suffering, you yeah. know? So I finished it off and, um, then we took shifts, uh, processing it. And I showed him how to do it because he wasn't too sure. Right. And uh, as we're opening up the moose, and I'm and um, <laughs> I'm sharpening my knife, my buddy who's six foot six, he's a big big dude, goes Mark 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 look, uh, uh, t- <sighs> Jerry. This is gonna sound like a fucking fish story, but it ain't. I turn around, there is a seven foot bear, right behind me, like twenty feet. Yeah. Like right there, standing up going, that's a nice moose. <laughs> I think that's my moose now. Yeah. And uh, I was like, oh my God. Like, cause my buddy's six, six and this thing standing right up was easily as tall as he was. Yeah. So it was the apex black bear for that area. Easily. 
Well, yeah. Know. Yeah. When a black bear stands up, if he's a six foot bear, then he's going to be eight feet tall. So. Oh yeah. So yeah. It doesn't it, take a very big bear to look like a really big bear. Well, he, he looked pretty big to me. Yeah. <laughs> it yeah. was enough to get our attention and yeah. uh, grab the rifle. And, and uh, then we had to make the decision. Yeah. You know, it's like, is this my moose or is this your moose? <laughs> because there's no in between here. And this thing was ripping up the forest, uh, just putting on a show of force for really? us. Uh, oh, he was putting on trying a freaking show, away. trying to scare us away. He's ripping and roaring and shaking trees. And uh, there was a fallen tree and he's, he's smashing this tree and freaking out. And, and my buddy's like, what do I do? I'm like, we don't have a choice. Do you want this moose or not? That's the, that's the decision. Because there was no way to, for one guy to stand guard because you can shoot a bear that size and it'll eat you for the next 45 seconds before it dies. <laughs> Even if you have a perfect heart shot, yeah, yeah. you know, uh, it's gonna It still has teeth and claws that work oh, yeah. for up to a minute after yeah. you shoot it. Yeah. They typically run away after you shoot them, but you know, you never know. Yeah. You, you, you don't know. Yeah. So the, the choice was our moose, not your moose. Sorry, buddy. This is the last thing we want to do, but yep, we got to be safe. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where I've started to pack uh, bear spray. Yeah. You know, they, they don't allow me to pack guns when I'm doing stuff back uh, there. Not so. good for Mexican bears. They, they like it. Yeah. Well, it's, it's a choice of nothing or bear spray. So. <laughs> and, and it's pretty effective if the bears in close, like that one was, you know, you could give them a blast in the face. And if the wind's going the right way, it'll change his mind. Yeah. Have you had to use uh, bear spray? Nope. Nope. No, I'm trained with it and know how to use it and shit like that. Yeah. But Step one, wind check. Yeah. If bear's coming at you with his ears pinned, you don't care where the wind's blowing. <laughs> You're not even going to look. You got three seconds to get your bear spray out and shoot the bear with your bear spray. Yeah. So, yeah, you don't care where the wind's going. There's a story, an Inuit story of... Uh, some white guy hunter up there and uh, and doesn't know how how all of a sudden there's a polar bear in the tent but there oh, was geez. and um he's like how did you but you got no time to think about it no nope. punched him in the nose well uh, a bear can smell a mosquito fart from 100 miles away <laughs> yeah. like you know yeah and uh, so there's so there's so much going on in there that yeah. a good belt right in right on the uh, on the tip of their nose and that's all it took. And that bear buggered off. He was out of there. Really? Wow. That's you know, pretty lucky for a polar bear. Yeah. Well, for my luck, my had to end up with my uh, uh, yeah, hand all the way up yeah. his throat. Pull back a stump. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, geez, I really like that arm. <laughs> that was a useful arm. Yeah. Normally when polar bears go in a tent, they're, they come out with something. <laughs> <laughs> Not just a sore nose. Yeah. They, they see in a, in a sleeping bag. like, oh burrito yeah, yeah, exactly exactly <laughs> if it moves it's food yeah they think differently than the bears down here for sure yeah yeah they uh they got a whole new whole different mindset well they'll they'll stalk a man well it, if if it's moving it's food to them yeah you know they they don't recognize human from seal from you know dog it's moving i can eat it or maybe they they recognize they just don't give a shit Probably. <laughs> yeah, I'm 10 feet long and I'm grumpy and I'm hungry. So come here. Yeah. yeah. Ever seen a polar bear? Nope. Not a live one. No, I uh, was at a guy's house. He was like this taxidermist guy. Yeah. And uh, his own, like, it was like a 
freaking major exhibit in his house. Yeah. Uh, Bengal tiger, which, uh, and, wow. but standing next to the polar bear, even though it's stuffed, was blood curdling. Oh, yeah. They're big. Because, I mean, it, it's standing as tall as I am. Yeah. And with, the, with of course, it has the bared teeth and a pose and just standing there next to his mouth. Oh, dear Lord. Yeah. Even a dead one was horrifying. Oh, yeah. They're nasty. It's not like a Coke commercial at all. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> No, that's, that's not it. That. Um, how's the pandemic for you? <laughs> well, it kind of put me out of business, but I, uh, yeah, I got enough work to, you know, keep me kind of out of trouble. I, uh, I've been working for a farmer down by Nanton there that helped with seeding and harvest every year. And that's kind of good. And then in summertime, I, uh, take on contract jobs and, you know, do renovations and build furniture and stuff like that. Are you still building furniture? Yep. Yeah. Doing a little bit. The, the pandemic was actually good for renovations and stuff because everybody was at home and they wanted to do stuff. So it was kind of cool. If they need something in their basement, they just, I'd use the basement door and we didn't, you know, there wasn't uh we didn't, I didn't join their bubble and they didn't join my bubble. So it was kind of good. We followed the laws as best we could. And if somebody wants some cool ass Western furniture made, uh, tracking with Terry.com. Yep. That's the, that's what it is. Yeah. I, uh, I do mostly fine furniture. Okay. I, I have a really hard time with rough furniture because I just, it's in my head that, you know, I, I have done a little bit of the rough stuff with, you know, un unplaned boards and stuff, but I really like doing the fine stuff. So it's, it's all smooth and waxed and stained and perfect. Yeah. So, but the, the rough stuff, I'm, I'm going to have to start to get into it because that's what everybody wants. So, well, especially if, it, if you're making it, yeah, you know, they're going to want a Western feeling kind of deal. Very possible. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, I have fun. It's good. I can't watch, um, uh, the Yellowstone series without thinking of you thinking, why in the hell isn't Terry got some, <laughs> some role here? Why aren't you oh, in the I, bunkhouse, Terry? I wish I was. That's, that's a cool setup i think well do you got an agent that's doing this type of shit trying to get um, you these things or? well i i do i do well and is he any good she is actually very she good. is good she is very good all very right well respected well i could see you so easily on um the, the yellowstone series you know uh and maybe even as yourself yeah you know i mean there's easily there, there easily could be a, a scene where um it's like well where the hell the herd go well we got a guy <laughs> yeah. 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 I've always thought that that would be my into a movie would be as the, the tracker or the, the scout for a, a wagon train or something like that. And, you know, still, you know, I still haven't given up on that. It's still there. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, now they're, they're with Yellowstone coming out, there's more and more Westerns being filmed. I think last year there was three or four being filmed in Alberta Westerns. So, uh, so yeah, I guess the chance. Have you been there. in a movie? I've been in several, you know, for bit parts and a little bit of, you know, extra stunt work here and there. Yeah. Okay. Like spoken pieces though? No, no. Okay. No, it's all been background horse riding stuff. Well, I'm, uh, for another reason, I want to get a hold of Kevin Costner and I know a guy that knows him. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, cause he was in the uh, Curtis Sandheim. Actually he was on the show. So Curtis, uh, served in the Calgary Highlanders. Oh yeah. Um, and he was in the movie open range. Yep. So in the movie open range, there's a bar scene and there's my buddy, 
standing right next to Kevin Costner and, uh, oh God, what was the other guy's name? I don't know, the other famous guy, yeah, uh, Robert Duvall. Yes. So, um, and with speaking lines and, and everything else. Oh, okay, cool. You know, and, yeah. um, but he got out of all that because uh, of his uh, Christian beliefs. Yeah. Uh, he, he felt that the whole industry was um, not exactly godly. Right. So yeah. uh, he popped smoke and, and, and got out of, out of the whole industry. He's actually a preacher pretty uh, most of the time when he's not being a painter. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. But uh, really good, really good yeah. painter. Yeah. Uh, VP painting, by the way. There's a plug, there's a plug for you, Curtis, but, um, veteran painting. Yeah. That's what it is. Right. Okay. But, cool. uh, yeah, I, I think he could probably get Kevin on the phone because, uh, I, I want to pitch him a, um, a war movie right. with, uh, Tommy Prince. You've probably never heard the name Tommy Prince. No. Tommy Prince, uh, was a member of my regiment in world war II and in Korea. He's a indigenous guy, first nations fella. Um, probably the most decorated soldier Canada's ever had. Oh, okay. um, and despite his, like the guy's legendary, we've named parade squares and drill halls after the guy. Right. right? But Canadians don't know him. Right. Yet he's, yeah. this, he's like this superhero level super soldier. Right. Who died drunk and penniless on the streets of Winnipeg. Ooh. Absolutely horrendous. Bummers. Yeah. yeah. It, it, a national shame. Yeah. A national shame that this yeah. hero was allowed, uh, was not helped and supported, and that um, after all he did for this country. Yep. So would love to do a movie about it because the guy is legendary. Right. Yeah. Yeah, those would be cool movies. Yeah, it would be good. The the movie industry here in uh, southern Alberta has really been hopping. It's been going good the last two or three years. It's been nuts. In uh, Okotoks, High River, uh, Tin Star uh, was doing a bunch of shooting both in High River and in uh, Waterton. Oh, yes. And then they blended the two. So oh, they, okay. they, they put mountains in High River. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> yeah. that's some cool movie magic. <laughs> yeah, I did a bit of work on that uh, that TV series they're doing around here, The Last of Us, in uh, uh, January. What did uh, you do with uh, for them? Uh, I was riding as a what SSE, Special Stunts Extra. Okay. So I, yeah, there was six or seven of us on a horseback and riding across, you know, different places and down the main street of this, um, starting to be rebuilt town, which was done in Canmore. Pretty cool. Yeah. And the same thing with that, they built big gates and when they open up the gates, then they showed the, the mountains and stuff behind them, which are there. And, uh, we did some stuff out on the field and, uh, on the Morley flats there and, they, they needed to put mountains in the background. Well, all they had to do was turn the cameras west and there's all the, almost the same mountains. So yeah. it worked out really good for them. It was pretty cool. The Revenant would have been a hell of a movie for you. Yeah, it would have been good. You know, it's right cool. in your backyard. Yeah, I know. Oh, yeah, and uh, Unforgiven was right, you know, Longview country. And and uh, what's the one you were just talking about? with? Costner? I didn't know Unforgiven was around Longview. Yeah, they did a bunch of it along, around there. And then open range. Open range, yeah. It was done right there near Longview. Oh. Yeah, just south of there. Yeah, that space movie was uh, Okotoks and Longview. Um, the one with uh, Matthew McConaughey, hey. Um, yeah. Interstellar. Yeah. Yeah, that was it. Yeah. Uh, the Longview School 
is um, uh, was one of the scenes. Oh yeah, you know, okay. and uh, one of the teachers uh, uh, kind of, oh my God, Matthew McConaughey's doing push-ups in my hallway. <laughs> yeah, and then the ball diamond. Uh, there's the all the dogs, the dog stadium yeah. just behind dog stadium. That ball diamond was the ball diamond from that movie. Oh okay, okay. yeah, yeah. So a lot going on around. Yeah, here. yeah. It's been good the last. I'm surprised the last three or four years it's really picked up again. Well, and while you're doing the writing on these movies, you just got to be chatting with the producers, man. Well, you never see them. Well, you got, you're, they're, you're, you're Terry fricking Grant. I don't know if anybody's <laughs> told you that, but. Uh, they're, they're a voice on the radio on the guy behind me. So <laughs> that's as close as I get to him. Well, you just got to, you know, Hey, I'm Terry fricking Grant and I want to talk to the producer. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think this one here was, this would have been a tough one. Cause I, I heard, and I don't know if it's true, but every, we were on episode seven. And every episode had two or three different producers so that they could be doing season seven at the same time as, or episode seven, the same time as episode eight, same time as episode nine. So I don't know if that works, but so, yeah, you'd be really hard pressed. You'd, you'd need to get the head produce, producer to, to talk to. And yeah, that could be a little tough. Well, you can get to him on horseback, yeah. make, make an entrance. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I kick the other eight guys off their horse and then you can ride in. Yeah. Do you have a chance to get on the horse as much anymore? I don't ride near as much. No, I'm, I'm too you busy, be, too busy making a living. Yeah. yeah. You got to miss it though. Oh, I do. Oh, I do. Yeah. It's, it's always good. I, I actually sold my horse this fall. Um, cause I haven't been riding it. And with the price of hay and stuff and my little acreage, I had no grass. So I thought I'm not going to buy hay for a horse. I don't ride. So I sold my horse and you never know, I might get another one next year or the year after when they actually start to rain again and we get some grass. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I do miss it and I hate riding down the road. So, and you know, so you got a trailer out into the hills to actually, you know, ride around and, and there, it's kind of cool because I used to go ride through the forestry a bit and there's lots of ranchers have their cows back there. So you'd get your horse used to working cows again. You just trail them for half a mile and play with them a little bit. So it was pretty good. Now you got, uh, for a few years now, you've been doing an outback ride. Yep. Yep. Is that all fold up? Um, or is there still a couple of spots? No, there's still a couple. I think we've got eight now and we normally take 12 to 15 somewhere in there, but the last week or two, they really starting about now is when it'll fill up. Because yeah. it goes, I think, June 12th. We're I doing wish that. I had 1200 bucks. I'd come join you. Oh, my God. We have a lot of fun. Yeah, it's going to be yeah. good. Yeah, it's three days in the hills with me and the outfitter, and and everything's looked after. All you need is your clothes and a sleeping bag and, yeah, a sense of humor and alcohol helps. Alcohol helps. <laughs> now, yeah. uh, if somebody's listening to this and uh, they want to get one of the, the last spots, uh, who do they get a hold of to to book their spot to join you? For a few they, days. They'd call uh, Anchor D. Anchor D. Yeah, they're Anchor D guiding and outputting just west of Turner Valley. And how do they find that number? Um, 403-933-2867. Well, there you go. Yeah. And it's like the old days here. People remember phone numbers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I still remember mine from when I was a kid. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. Those are the easy ones to remember. And, and how to use a rotary phone with a plunger. Yeah. Because <laughs> you were on the party <laughs> now, line. Now anybody under 40 is like, plunger? Why, why is there a plunger on your yeah, phone? Give them a dial phone. They don't know what they're talking yeah, about. Yeah, no. Flipping idea. Yeah. No, we have a lot of fun on this ride. We, uh, we leave Friday and 
we spend Friday night and Saturday night out in the bush on in tents and cots are all supplied and stuff. And there's a cook there to cook all the meals and wranglers to saddle and unsaddle your horse. All you have to do is, you know, dress warm and bring rain gear. Cause it always rains. Yeah. And, uh, we ride in Friday and then we sit around the campfire and have dinner and tell lots of stories. And some of them might be lies, but they're pretty interesting. And, and then Saturday we ride up on Blue Rock Mountain and have a look around. And Sunday we ride into Triple Falls and back out and and we get them back to their vehicles and away they go. So, so is this is this Kananaskis area? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We just go west of Turner Valley. Yeah. And the Anchor D is right on the, the border of the forestry. And then we go another 10 miles right to the end of the road. Is it does it border Bar U Ranch? No. Bar U's no. way south. Way south. Yep. Yeah, it is. Uh, when you were on Kelsey Sharon's show, she said that she joined you. Did she ever make good on it? I don't know yet. I haven't, I haven't checked on names or anything. So I hope she does. Come. Oh, she's a riot. That would be fun. That would be fun. Yeah. Well, if nothing else, she'll light, she'll light up Instagram with it. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and well, a good thing about it, there's no service back there. Yeah. So you might as well leave your phone in your car unless you're taking pictures with it. You don't get service and there's no, no way to charge it. So Yeah. Well, we've got these little cell phone or um, uh, solar packs for, for the phones now. Yes, they do. Yeah. And uh, where I take my kids, um, Sandy McNabb area. Yep. Just past Sandy McNabb, there's this one mountain. There's no trail, but I, I like going to the top anyway. And I tried for years because when they were just little and they get halfway up, they go, nope, <laughs> I'm done. Like, yeah. and then I get all mad. And yeah. then uh, the next year we go, nope. I'm like, son of a, come on, kids. Well, we went up last year. And uh, they're like, Dad, come on, hurry up. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, let's get up here. Huffing yeah. and puffing. Yeah. yeah. They made it to the top, but uh, great experience with the kids. Uh, but no cell service till you get to the top. And then when oh, you get okay. to the top, you can see Calgary. Sure. It's actually a pretty neat view of it on yeah. a clear day. It would be, yeah. Um, and you get perfect cell, cell service when sure. you get to the top. Yeah. Well, there might be cell service on top of some of the mountains we get to, but, you know, mostly they're just taking pictures. They don't care. Yeah. If they're cell service or not. That's what some of them get there for is to not have cell service. Yeah. There's a, a spot past where I'm talking about um, that takes you to a falls. You go across a bridge and, and lots of people are on horse there. Have you ever done that one? Uh, probably. Is that into Dyson Falls? <laughs> or Sheep so River it, Falls? It, it's Sheep be, River, you don't it, have to go across a bridge. It, it's before Elbow Falls. Oh, that's, that's Bride Creek, west of Bride Creek. No, no, no. Um, so Sandy McNabb, because that's yeah. a dead, that's a dead end. Yep. That one. Yeah. So be, be, before the campground. Before the Sandy McNabb campground? No, no, no. Uh, after Sandy McNabb campground, before Blue Rock campground yeah. on the left-hand yeah. side. Yeah, see, there's, yeah, there's. Got to go across the river. Yeah, you can stop at the one, the Sheep River Falls, but you just walk to it. And Dyson Falls, you have to go across a bridge and turn left. And... That's probably the one then. Yeah, yeah that is yeah, the it's, one. It's a you... mile or so down. Yeah, you yep. go across the bridge, you turn left, and I've hiked that one all the way back to to the falls at the back of it. Yeah. That's gorgeous. Have you yep. rode that, though? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we hunt back in there. You go past the falls and go another couple of miles, kind of southwest, southeast. For elk? Uh, elk and moose and mule deer. Yeah. Yeah, it's good country back there. That'd be a bit of a hike for... Um, for hiking, uh, yeah. For, for for hiking, well, for, for bow hunting. That would be quite the grind. Yeah. Do you uh, still get out every year for hunting? Oh yeah. Yeah. I still get out. I'm trying, trying to get out more with, uh, 
more with some of the family members now because I got two or three great nieces and nephews that are getting old enough to hunt and yeah I'm trying to work them into my time and me into their time and so far it hasn't worked but is that area all draw no no there's general for, there for, for, elk. Mu- for mule deer it's all draw um I think that's all six point for for uh, elk and it's then o- and then open for whitetail probably yeah pretty much everywhere is open for whitetail yeah because they're so damn hard to get well there there's so many of them yeah yeah back there there yeah there are lots of whitetails in the ranch lands there's getting to be more and more mule deer you know i think the uh the fish and wildlife has done a pretty decent job on managing that part of it um down south with the cwd they're they're going the route that if there's no deer out there they won't have cwd so they they opened up the one zone i do mentored hunts for with kids down in the pass every year and the area that we take the kids out to had so many deer that we were just about guaranteed every kid would you know, harvest an animal if oh, they wow. wanted to. If they don't want to shoot, that's fine. We take the bullets out, we line them up and say, okay, pull the trigger, it's going to go click. They line it up and they go click and it's like, there you go. You could have shot that deer, but you didn't. Your hunt's done. And if they want to harvest it, then they can. But last year, uh, we didn't do it because of COVID and they opened it up and everybody and their brother got two tags. Is that right? For mule deer does. So... And the people that live down in the pass, um, they went out hunting and it's like, we can't find one. So it could be a little skinny for the kids this year, but we'll see. Well, the animals know the hunting rags better than the, than the fish cops do. Yeah, yeah. But there was so many, like five, six years ago when I started doing the mentored hunts down there, my gosh, you were kicking them, kicking them out of your way to, you know, to make the hunt last more than an hour for the kids because <laughs> we wanted them to kind of work, you know, get up and down a few hills and sweat a little bit and, yeah. and, and, you know, not make a good stock and then have the wind change and have the deer run away. And we wanted that experience. And there was so many deer. It's like, you'd have to step on a branch or something when you're 50 yards away and scare the deer. So the kid couldn't shoot it. Yeah. But, and then, uh, and now I guess there's not that many deer there. So it could be a little tougher on them. So it's all right. People don't understand, uh, like the anti-hunting crowd, you know, I, I, I understand where they're coming from, but they just don't get it. Uh, yeah, I agree. You know, I, I totally understand their, their point of view, Yeah, but they, they need to do a little more homework and find out why we hunt. Yeah. It's not just to go out and, you know, bloodthirsty bunch of men with guns killing things. Which is how it's always depicted in yeah. cartoons, in um, uh, media in general. Yeah. You know, that's, right. that's exactly how it's uh, like, yeah, I got me one. <laughs> and th- that's not what it is. No. You know, not at all. It's, um, it's reverence. It's taking responsibility for the meat that you're eating. It's yeah. taking responsibility for the life that you took. Yeah. It's harvesting enough animals to keep a sustainable group. You know, without, and that, yeah, the ecology. And, and I'm a firm believer that, you know, even rabbits, every seven years, they get overpopulated and they get this bug and they all die off. Then they start over again. And I'm a firm believer that CWD is exactly that. So what's CWD? Um, chronic wasting disease. Right, 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 right. And it's primarily in uh, mule deer. And it's going farther west every year. It keeps coming west. They keep adding zones and you... You have to submit the the head, so they test it, and um, 
And I'm a firm believer that this thing is caused by overpopulation of the animals. Well, that's what they would say, too. Uh, I mean, people don't realize that there's an actual shortage of hunters. Oh, not now there isn't. Oh, there's... Well, there is for... Um, let, let me qualify it then. So maybe not for big game, but there's a shortage of hunters for, say, snow geese. Yeah. Yeah. Like big yeah. shortage of hunters for snow geese. Yeah. They, yeah. they they opened up a spring hunt this year and, and increased the limit to something ridiculous. Yeah, like, like a truckload. <laughs> oh yeah. It's, it's 50 per person per day, yeah. you know, and yeah. good luck yeah. uh, dropping 50 in a day. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And what do you do with 50 a day? A whole smart. lot of goose. Have you ever had goose jerky? Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Well, what else are you going to do with a damn goose? There, I don't exactly. I, You'd I, need three freezers to put fifty geese in. Well, uh, a lot of guys just breast them, which yeah. is which is a waste of meat. But yeah. when it's a pest like the snow geese, yeah, exactly. Just yeah. breast them, slice it, uh, marinate yeah. it. Best jerky in the world. It is good. It is good. Is there any other way you like eating goose, or just that's about the only way I've had it? Is jerky? You know, I've I've ate cooked goose, but you know. I wasn't, wasn't a big fan of it. That's why I don't hunt waterfowl because uh, I'm just not a big fan of duck or goose. Yeah. I've only ever had duck probably a couple of times in my life. And both times I was very young and don't remember it. Yeah. So I knew I was eating duck, but I don't remember the taste or anything. Do you have a preference for mule deer or whitetail? Whitetail. Yeah. It's just a different flavor. Yeah. Muley's a little, it's, um, it's strong. And it depends where you shoot it too. Like in northern Saskatchewan, they taste the same. Oh, is that right? Because they got yeah. the same diet. Yeah. You know, but here they separate by territory. Yeah. Yeah. They eat more. Yeah. The mule deer are more on the, there, there's lots of whitetails in the, um, in the open with the mule deer, mm-hmm. but they just eat different stuff. So the yeah. meat's totally different. Yeah. But when they're eating the same, they taste the same, I think. Yeah, they should. Yeah. Yeah. We got mule deer in our yard all the time. Every, oh, yeah. In the winter, they make beds. Yeah. So we wake up, uh, and there's been a couple of times where I let the dog out, and I didn't check for deer first. Oh, yeah. Oh, shit, what a show. <laughs> Do the deer bother the dog or just run? Oh, they just run. Yeah. But, of course, we're scared about uh, uh, what if they're back there with a fawn or something or maybe yeah. the rut or something that puts them a little bit off. Then, then yeah. I'm going to then I'll be fighting a deer in the backyard <laughs> to save my dog. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want I don't want to fight a deer. I don't think I'll win. No, they're quick. Yeah. They're nasty. Well, pe- people don't understand that those horns are, are the antlers are for a reason. Yeah. They, yeah. they look like knives for a reason because yeah. they are. Those are yeah. daggers. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, they're nasty. They get a little grumpy when things happen. Yeah. And the males at that time of year, they're, yeah, they're there for two reasons and fighting's one of them. <laughs> well, the, the odd bow hunter has died from antlers, has been, oh, gore, yeah. has been gored yeah. to death. Yeah. But I think it's a lot more common with moose. Yeah, moose are, moose are crazy. Yeah. Moose are nuts. A moose during the rut with a big rack on them. Uh, get I, out of, I'd rather fight a bear than a moose. Well, I would rather take... Uh, a bull moose in rut than a cow moose in the spring with cats. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. They'll chase you down on a horse. They'll. I've seen that. Yeah. I've, I've had that. Oh my I, God. I was back in whiskey coolie one time gathering up a bunch of horses and, and I came across this cow moose and calves and I kind of went, Oh, <laughs> oh I took shit. off and I was riding a big black horse and thank God, because I was going down and not a very big trail and I was going three times faster than I ever should have been. And I kept looking back and that, that moose was like five feet behind us and ears pinned and coming. And that horse kept looking and leaving and 
finally we got out into some open and we got some ground between us and then she turned around and went back and the calves were doing pretty good for hanging with her but she was grumpy yeah, yeah. she was not going to have anything to do with me well and a bush and a moose can go through the bush way faster oh. than any horse could ever think yeah. of oh my gosh yeah they lift their legs and they go through yeah yeah deadfall like it's not there ever seen a swimming moose um no i haven't uh, there's, there's videos of them. They'll, uh, they'll snorkel. So they'll actually go underwater like a freaking scuba diver really? to get the, uh, the soft grasses and stuff oh, yeah. at the bottom yeah. of a, of a seasonal pond. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And they'll go like 10 feet deep, you know, to, to eat from, from the bottom. Oh, I've never seen that. Yeah. I've seen huh. them swimming once and, uh, but man, I'd love to see one dive. Yeah. That'd be cool. Yeah. How would they even know it's down there? I don't know. They got a really, a really good nose. <laughs> yeah. Smell it right through the water. Yeah, I guess. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. Back to your um, uh, rescue days. Yes. You know, that's something we, we got in common uh, when, we, when we spoke last time. It's the reason I joined the Army, actually. When, okay. when I joined, I figured uh, the path would be when I <laughs> thought I was going to be a medic and then go to Sartec. Yeah. Uh, to to do it for a living sure and um god i wish i would have got it i i found out the other day that they're on a higher pay scale than everybody oh, else really? too <laughs> like, oh that shit that would have been sweet should have stuck it out <laughs> but um i ended up doing search and rescue uh cliff and aerial rescue yeah um uh, volunteer yeah you know and that turned into all kinds of cool stuff after that working with the rcmp and stuff yeah. but uh, uh cliff rescue was great you know, really enjoyed it, but we actually did some real operations and oh, cool. saw some beat up people, yeah. you know, with broken femurs and shit and yeah. we're pulling them off a cliff. Uh, did you ever do any rope training? Um, I did low angle rescue. Okay. I trained for that, but yeah, the high angle I stayed away from. Yeah. I just didn't do that. The low angle stuff was, you know, getting them up the, out of a ditch, you know, like a long ditch you know, 50 yards up to the road, that kind of stuff, the different knots and the pulleys and stuff like that. Yeah. But yeah, high angle, I didn't do any. Do you know your cowboy knots? I, well, I used to teach knot tying. Oh, is that yeah. right? So, so I know quite a few knots. What about rescue knots? Um, or more mostly working knots? Well, most of mine are working knots. They're old sailor knots, they're mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. Um, I do remember some of the knots we used in search and rescue, but they're, they're such a specialized knot, mm -hmm. but you know, like even a bowling in search and rescue is not that common. Oh, you, you would never use one. No, no. Well, you can use it. You can use a double tuck bowline on a loop or a bowline on a bite. I'll yeah. show you what those are later. Yeah, I know them. But, yeah. but, um, uh, those are okay and they're pretty stable, but yeah. they're still collapsible. Yeah. So there's, um, a double figure eight would be a, a, mm -hmm. a retied would, would be a better choice. And, yeah. but a, a bowline on a loop. Um, a double bowline and loop is probably one of my favorite knots. It's the one I use the most. Okay. Yeah. Because with that, with that loop, you can use it as a blade point too, with, without, oh, yeah. without, without, uh, sure. losing the integrity of the knot. Yeah. Okay. I'm a total knot nerd. Yeah. Oh, is that right? Cause when yeah. I was doing cliff rescue, the guy that taught me, sure. uh, it was an actual forensic knot analyst. Oh, so he get called into court and, uh, okay. This guy was right from the ligatures. Uh, on this knot here yeah he was right-handed probably worked for the mail service um 
five foot two, like the the information. His mother (laughs) (laughs) and had bad breath, (laughs) but he was able to tell all this stuff from 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 a knot. Yeah, you know. Oh, that's um, cool. Really rare. There's like a couple of guys in the country that can do it. Yeah, Uh, forensic knot analysis. FBI's got like just a couple of people that can do it. Oh, okay. But but it's neat what you can get. Uh, Was it tied in a hurry? Did they, you know? Um, cause there's working on it's like a clove hitch, right? You yeah. know how to do it. I know how to do it. Um, but if I'm using one to, um, in, as part of a murder or something like that, I was like, okay, who the hell knows how to cl- tie, tie a clove hitch and to, to use it for this particular application Exactly. Yeah. narrows it down yeah. big time down to four people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And that's, that's exactly it. You know, if, if you see a certain knot, it's like who ties that type of knot? And you find out that search and rescue people tie it. Well, all of a sudden it narrows you down from 8,000 to 80. Yeah. You know, because those are the people that use that knot. And yeah, that's kind of cool that he does that. You know, it's like signature analysis. You can tell if somebody's right-handed or left-handed. Mm-hmm. You know, Yeah, I can normally tell by tracking people if they're right or left-handed. How so? By the way they're, the way they turn the way they walk, the way they step up on stuff. Cause we're either left footed or right footed. And I had one, one girl in season one, Lisa. And, um, I didn't know it afterwards, but I asked her, I said, are you left-handed? And she went, yes. And it was just the way she, she did things a little bit differently than everybody else. And she, I think was the first left-handed person I'd seen, but you'd see more, um, more action or activity from the waist up on the brush on the left side. Like if a person's right-handed going through the bush, they'll quite often put their strong side towards the bush when they're going through it. Out of all the prey that, uh, cause I've all, you know, I think almost anybody that's ever watched the show is like, how would I beat Terry? Yeah. You know, how would I beat Terry? I would totally beat you. <laughs> You're like, all right, come on, let's try yeah. it. Yeah. But I know I would. Um, What's the goofiest thing somebody ever tried to do to, to, to beat you? Oh gosh. I, whew, there's a lot of stuff people did. You know, they, uh, the goofiest thing. I don't know. Tried to circle around behind me, I guess. Yeah. That never worked. Cause no. I'm, I'm always an hour or so behind them. <laughs> we had two Josh and Kyle. They did that in uh, Ontario. They had like an hour, hour and a half head start. And then I got there and it's like, all right, they, there's their tracks and they see you later. And we probably, I was riding with Phil then and we probably went a quarter of a mile down the trail and I thought, holy smack, there's a moose coming. And I thought that's good because the prayer up there, they probably scared a moose this way. So we sat there and we backed up a little bit because moose and horses tend to freak at each other. Yeah. And, uh, outstepped these two guys and they looked at us like 20 yards away screamed and ran back into the bush (laughs) that was the two prey they figured they'd make a big loop and get in behind me yeah well they came out 20 feet in front of me so oops yeah they they didn't plan on that but that's that's what they wanted to do and yeah it didn't work out well for them so i think my favorite was the american the guy who claimed to be and i'm not sure he was uh, claimed to be an American be army. Veteran. Yeah. And, <laughs> what a joke. you know, he's up on the, uh, with his partner, uh, who I, I don't think they knew each other. No, they didn't. You know, no. 
so they're on this mountain and he's glassing uh, the area with his huge freaking binos that I'd never would have brought with me in a million years. And um, he's like, what, what, what are you doing? And, and basically the response from him is shut up. I know what I'm doing. You know? Oh, he was such a jerk. Oh, and he was dumb. Do you, do you think he actually served? I don't think he no, did. No, he didn't. I, so I, he, was, I, he was a stolen valor piece of crap. He, yeah, he wasn't even that. He was just, I don't know, trying to, I don't know, pick up girls because he talks big or something. I don't know, but he was. But he the, pretended to, to to be like a Marine veteran or something. Yeah, he said he was a sniper. Yeah, but never served. I don't think so. I don't think so either. I was, I watched that episode. I met Dan. Like I can wear a green shirt too. Yeah. <laughs> I met him afterwards and I talked to him a little bit and, and there was red flags going up all over the place. And I said, so the, the British forces, they have a, a group called the SAS. What's that mean? And he looked at me and says, I don't know. Oh. And I went, okay, you have no, no clue about anything because yeah. you know, I think it's special air services, isn't it? That's what it is, yeah. And I thought, okay, if you don't know this and you claim to be a sniper, it's like this is, you're completely full of bullshit. Yeah. So afterwards, I was watching the show. I was in, we were in Quebec filming another show and that episode came on and I was watching that with an actual sniper. (laughs) Like he had the certificates on the wall. He had, you know, he talked about it. Probably somebody I know. Uh, very possible. And I can't remember his name, but he was watching the show with us and he'd laugh and go, Nope. If he was a sniper, he would have said this terminology. Yeah. Nope. If he was in those forces, he would have used this word. Yeah. Or if he was doing that, this is what we call that. And, and he, he apparently had a ghillie suit and the guy I was with, he looked at it and says, not even a real ghillie suit. It's from Amazon. Yeah. I don't know what it was. And he had no clue what he was doing because he'd walk through the bush with his ghillie suit on and he got out into this big meadow, you know, an acre, hundred yards across. And then he got down and rolled around like a whale and he's crawling <laughs> on his hands and knees. And, and Jared, his partner is walking behind him going, and he's looking at the camera going, I don't know what he's doing. <laughs> and I, I rode out and, and I looked at this and the grass is laid down for three feet. You know, I don't know what he was doing. It showed on the show afterwards what he was doing and he was rolling around and I'm like, dude, the, the ghillie suit, you, you know, you, you use that to hide, not to roll around in the grass and stuff. And yeah, he was a bit of a joke. (laughs) So yeah, that was, uh, I think Neil was my guide for that. That was out by Invermere. Were guys, uh, were contestants allowed to, um, uh, to move at night? No. So what was what was the rule of when you're allowed to is it sunrise to sunset well the cameraman the everybody thinks that they were forced to stop they um the cameraman could only carry so many batteries and so much film and when they ran out of film they're like dude i'm out of film so find somewhere to camp <laughs> oh, okay and they tried to get the cameraman would kind of say you know give them the map and they if they could get them to halfway roughly then they'd say okay great but they told them that beforehand. Like, so, so the prey, like the prey would get, always have a map of where the target was. They got a map of showing the start and the finish and a compass. They should have brought one. If they didn't, they would give them one. So it was like a proper topo map. Yes. Yeah. It's a oh, topo okay. map with all the, all the trails and rivers and hills and everything marked on it. And very few of them would ever have a, a clue how to read it. Probably. 
well, the, the, there was a line, there was dots on there that, you know, it's kind of like, here's the start, here's the finish. And their maps would have dots on it saying waterfall, cabin, whatever. So they got a little information, mm -hmm. but, uh, but most of them, um, yeah, they had no clue how to read a map or anything like that. But when they, when the cameraman said, okay, I got 10 minutes of film left. What do you want to do? They're like, okay, let's go to this cabin. So they would film them talking about the cabin and show it on the map. And then they hopefully get to the cabin. And, but lots of times the prey would just say, can we stop? Cameraman's like, sure. It's good. And they drop their packs and they'd stop right there. Um, one of the reasons they didn't film at night is because all the cameramen took their cameras and their film, went back to their hotel's room, charged all their batteries, got new uh, tapes and all that stuff. And they'd come back in the morning. And one pair of cocky kids, they said, well, what if we go to the finish line? They said, well, go ahead. But tomorrow morning, we're going to go get you at the finish line, bring you back to here, and then film you going to the finish line. They went, oh, so we'd have to do it twice. They said, if it didn't happen on, if we don't get it on film, it didn't happen. Yeah. So they kind of went, oh, okay. And a safety thing. Most of them couldn't navigate in the daylight. So <laughs> navigating at night was not an issue. <laughs> so yeah yeah it, it was cool i didn't they never uh they never told me any of that stuff till god probably season six there was a couple of contestants I remember in one of the episodes and i remember you yelling at them because they're spooking the horses like they're they're like you're about to throw the rope on them and they were doing something that was spooking the horses and you gave them shit yes um yeah, because I told him you'd do whatever the hell you want to me, but leave my horse alone. Um, I forget who that was, but I remember. Well, what what was happening there? I don't remember exactly how that, what the hell I don't remember down. either. <laughs> I don't remember. I'd have to go back and watch some of them. It's almost like he was uh, uh, like shaking his, like he was trying to spook the horse. Yeah. Yeah, there's been lots of guys try that. Um, the the one, one guy was um, the Aussie. Oh gosh, Bruce. And he had, he, he actually won. We, did we catch the girl? Bruce and Sabrina. I think we caught Sabrina and Bruce made it to the finish line. And he was pretty good with whips. He, he did shows and stuff with whips. Oh, and, okay. And he was an Aussie. And uh, I remember it was uh, my guide. Um, gosh, he's from up there. Last name's Floyd. Um, anyways, we come out of the bush and we're sitting there and he's doing his interview and stuff. And and then he, he looks at us and he goes, there you are. And he pulled out his whip and he started cracking. Is that your best Australian accent? Is that, is no, that what you got there, Jerry? No, that's it. <laughs> but he started cracking this whip, figuring our horses would go nuts. Oh, shit. And our horses just stood there and looked at him and he walked right up. He was snapping that whip probably 15 feet in front of them. And the horses just stood there and looked at him. And he looked at us and said, that was my escape plan right there. If I, if you guys got close, I was going to start popping these whips and scare your horses. He says, obviously that wasn't going to work, <laughs> but he won anyways. So yeah. Yeah. He, he is a goofy bugger. That one. You're not crocked Dundee, buddy. No, no, but he was close. He was close. Yeah. Yeah. He, he was goofy. He didn't use insect repellent and. Yeah, he knew not lots of natural herbs and stuff like that, so it was pretty cool. 
Any uh, broken legs and arms from the contestants? No. Um, Brock ended up with a great big blister on his heel because he wore his work boots. Oh. And didn't <laughs> tighten them up, which we never do. Um, God. Kendall, I think she had a, she hurt her knee somehow, but I think it was an old injury that just was overstressed. Um, other than that, I don't think there was even a sprained ankle. Lots of bruises. How about you? Do you ever come off the horse? Um, no, no, I didn't. Uh, I got off lots, but I, <laughs> I never, never got bucked off, thrown off or nothing. Yeah. There was a couple of really stupid horses that tried, but thankfully they weren't that good. What about when you're, uh, when you're roping them and, uh, if, cause if there's a bit too much tension, uh, did you have the other end on the horn? Oh no, no, I always dallied. Okay. Um, yeah. And it's funny because some horses like the, the, the big brown mare that I start every show with, I nicknamed her Puddin'. She was a marvelous horse. My yeah. God, I remember was, you talking about, she t- was so good. And the first year we were filming up there, we used quads. Okay. And to get the, the producer around and to resupply cameras and batteries and stuff to the cameraman and stuff, which kind of gave it away a little bit, but they, they were, uh, they did really good because they just drive mm-hmm. and then they'd stop. Then they'd drive for five minutes and stop. So I never knew if they were talking to the prey or having a pee or looking at the sights or whatever. And the one, uh, the one, <laughs> the one guy on the quad, he kept getting stuck. And I'd ride by, and I didn't know if she was rope broke or not, or not. And I'd ride by, and I'd just drop the rope over the, the handlebars. And I'd, I'm like, okay, when I get to the other end and start pulling, give her some gas. And, and I, I'd take one dally, and then she'd lean into it, and I'd slip my dallies a little. So explain to the audience uh, a dally. A dally is basically you take one wrap, you know, with your right hand around the horn. And that kind of locks the rope on there. If you've got rubber, one wrap is enough to give you a lot of pulling power. And then if you, uh, if you have to, you can slip your dallies is just let some slack into the line, let it keep it on the horn, but let it go around the horn. And basically what that does, that tricks the horse into thinking it's actually moving and pulling where if you, if you just take the rope off and ride away, the horse knows there's no pressure. If you take a dally and they hit the end of it, most horses will stop and stand there. But if you slip your dallies, they're thinking, oh, okay, I'm, I'm, it's just tough. And, and I would do that. And I did that two or three times and popped them out. And, and after a while, then I started roping off her, just playing and stuff. And she was really good. But the one horse I rode um, over in uh, Invermere with Brock, he took off running. We pretty much had him cornered. And I pulled my rope out and I didn't know if I could rope off this horse or not. And he took off and I threw my loop at him and that horse. And normally with most horses, same thing. You throw your rope out in front, they see it land and then they see it coming towards them and they freak and go the other way. It's exactly what she did. I threw the rope out there and I, I hit him. It landed on the ground. The horse looked at that and said, I don't think so. And it took off left pretty quick. And I was grabbing for the horn to stay on there and, it finally got to the point I had to drop my rope and get off and coil the rope up and get back on. And I said, okay, I can't rope off this one. <laughs> yeah, not everybody can throw a rope. No, throwing the rope's the easy part. On a horse, you don't know if you can rope or not, then that's a little tough because you don't know what the horse is going to do. Yeah. I, I have a rough idea because I've trained enough horses that 
I know what roughly what's going to happen if they're not rope broke. Yeah. So you can kind of expect it, but we ended up, we did catch Brock anyways. And he, he does a lot of, uh, a lot of match shooting now. Oh, so yeah, he, uh, he reloads his own and he posts a lot of stuff online. It's pretty cool. Cause he, uh, he says, I reloaded a hundred bullets and these five are going in the same hole. <sighs> and they did. Yeah. At, uh, I don't know what his yardage was, but he had all five of them in the same hole. So all touching. So all touching. Pretty cool. Yeah. That's, that's not easy to do. He's doing that with the bench rest. If he's putting oh, them in yeah. the same hole. Though. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. He's it's dialing that in. Bench properly. rest gun and the whole bit. So, but yeah, yeah he's, he's doing well. It's fun. I keep track of, I used to, you know, send texts to, well, we had 118 prey. And I think there's probably a hundred of them that I used to send texts to once a year, twice a year, see how they're doing. Yeah. Lately it's been down to 10. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people just move. They, they go out and they, they move around and lose touch or they just get busy and stuff like that. So any of the prey uh, become celebrities uh, from being on the show, able to turn that into um, some? Not that I'm aware of. There's some that, uh, that still get recognized on the street. Yeah. Um, like Curtis, he, he uh, runs an outfit, outer outfitting business up there and uh, by grand cash. And he said his business has really picked up because of the show. Yeah. They found out about him and his skills and what he can and can't do. And he says, I've been busier than hell. So, so it's good. I stopped in and saw him last year. I was up in Edson doing a, uh, two years ago, last year I was up in Edson doing the outdoor adventure expo outdoor adventure something expo it's all about a lot about jeeps and and trucks and camping and kind of off the grid camping you know the 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 uh, campers the little tents you put on top of your cars and jumps and stuff like that that covers all of that stuff and some of the ideas up there are just amazing alberta outdoor adventure expo that's what it is yeah, so I was up there, and then I came back through Grand Cache and had a visit with Curtis. That's some uh, beautiful, rugged country there, Grand Cache. That's neat country. Yeah, I've done elk hunting around there, so yeah. I know it really good. Yeah, it, it's neat country. It's it's a little tough. You got to know where you're going, but yeah, uh, but that's where my guide was so important. You know, he had to he had to know the trails and know where everybody went, and if the prey swam across the lake. He needed to know which way the trail went around the lake and which way was shortest. And a lot of bears in Grand Cache. Yeah, there's a couple. Like a lot. Yeah. We were counting black bears. We were there about two weeks in a uh, oh, in an wow. army tent, and um, uh, Sheep Creek uh, has a little s- series of cabins. You, you you take a wire bridge to get across yeah, we, to it. We uh, we stayed there. Oh wow! Yeah, uh, I was just a bit further down that same road, uh, Sheep okay. Creek Road. Yeah, yeah. And we found a piece of uh, open meadow and, and that's where we were. Yeah. But, um, the, yeah, we're counting black bears left and right and, and a lynx and we were up the top of one mountain and there's two massive, uh, silverback grizzlies. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm like, well, they're right by the trail that we want to take is we just went for it. Yeah. I'm like, I'm glad they were in a good mood because they didn't give a (laughs) shit about us. I couldn't even believe how big they looked, uh, uh, being next to them. But uh, one of the days that we split off uh, looking for elk, my buddy went in one direction. I went in the other. Now, if I can hear it, 
Yeah, I'm pretty damn close, close yeah. but I didn't see it. Yeah. You know, I'm like, that's yeah. a freaking bear. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Getting grumpy. Oh, yeah. shit. Yeah. And like, I could smell it and I could hear it. Yeah. Uh, so I just, I had my, my rifle racked and I just back away slowly. Nice yeah. bear. Yeah. Good bear. Yeah. We're, I'm your friend bear. Yeah, stay like, over there bear. Like, how do I not see it though? Yeah. People don't yeah. understand that, that I know these great big critters can be freaking invisible 10 yards from you. Oh yeah. And invisible. In, in the Yukon, Chuck and I were riding along and we smelled that one bear and I'm looking around and the trees are, you know, they're not that thick. And I'm riding around, the horses snorted, and it's like they can smell it, we can smell it, and we're looking, and, you know, the breeze is coming off the left front. And I'm looking, and it's like it's got to be right there. And Chuck couldn't see it, and I couldn't see it, but maybe it just ran straight up wind or something. I don't know. Yeah. But did you go up and over Mount Hamill? Yes, we did. Yeah, we rode horses up over there. Oh, wow. Yeah, we chased the prey right up and over. Wow. There, well, there's sheep everywhere that we couldn't shoot because they're on the mine. Yeah on the mine site. Right. Yeah. And, um, Oh God, uh, we had, um, a bugle. It's cause we we're there for elk. We, my buddy did get one a nice, cause okay. it, was, it was six point or better. Yeah. But, um, we had a bugler going right through our camp, uh, after, oh, wow. after last light. I'm like, you asshole. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you asshole. We had, um, we were Curtis and I were sitting on the road, one of the mine roads way up high. And we were watching down into the basin because that's where we thought the prey were. And we were sitting there and all of a sudden, like Curtis turned around and he says, hey, grab your camera. And my cameraman's sitting there looking the same way as we are. And he turned around and on the other side of the mine road, so 30 yards, is this white wolf sitting on his butt looking at us. Oh, man. And we turned around and my cameraman grabbed the camera and started filming the wolf. And, and the wolf looked at us and. Curtis is like, I wonder why he's here. And then uh, we we hung out there for probably two minutes. The cameraman's filming him, and he got you know behind me and showed me with the wolf in it, and showed Curtis and showed the two of us. And, and then the wolf looked at us and got up and trotted off into the trees. And Curtis says, "That's probably the scout. He'll be up here, and there'll be three or four more behind him, but they could be a mile or two miles back." And when he finds something, he'll howl, and then they'll follow him. Uh, yeah, okay, that makes sense. But it's pretty cool. Uh, being face-to-face with a timber wolf has happened to me three times. Oh, three, cool. three different occasions. And one of them, uh, where was it? North of Edson. Yeah. Um, on the 748. And uh, <laughs> I look over, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> right there. But yeah. uh, me and a buddy were the same guy, actually. Um, we're up a uh, high level and just outside of great, what, what's the big national park? Uh, great bear. Could be. Yeah. Uh, I think it's what it is. And we're just south of the caribou mountains that nobody knows is there. <laughs> and, um, uh, we, we were set up in, uh, in a wall tent Yeah. and <laughs> late night it's dark out and, uh, I, I go out to take a leak and I hear this. <laughs> Oh shit. Clint, grab, grab, grab the floodlight and get over here. Now bring your shotgun and, uh, put on the, the 10,000 candle powered torch and right there on the tree lines, we were in an open meadow and, uh, there was a wolf that came to the tree line to, to, to to look at us and it fricking growled at me, Hmm. um, maybe 30 yards. And, um, and then we hear the, 
So there was a whole line of the whole pack was there yeah. of great big mother northern alberta uh, timber wolves yeah big bastards and they all formed a, a skirmish line along the edge of uh, this meadow they're all in the tree lengths we could see their eyes with this uh, sure. uh, uh torch yeah and um so it was like advance to contact <laughs> and we both had these short little shotguns and we just started you know two army guys right yeah. <laughs> when you see a problem shoot it yeah and just bang chicka bang chicka bang chicka bang and we both emptied our shotguns as we we're mark, 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 walking towards the uh yeah. of course not trying to actually hit anything we just want to make sure that they shower know, them with leaves yeah shower them with leaves and know they're they're in the wrong place yeah you know you pick the wrong two guys to pick a fight yeah. with yeah. but uh that was unnerving yeah yeah they're I saw another wolf one time going up the ice fields and it was just tramping down the ditch. And I, I like stopped and it, you know, you could see it out the passenger window, but it's just tramping down the ditch. Mind his own business. Yeah. So it was cool. Yeah. Pretty neat to see. Looking for rabbits. Yeah. I don't know what he was doing either, but <laughs> I didn't get out to ask him. Right. Um, anything uh, going on that you need to announce or uh, invite people out or make people aware of? Uh, no, I haven't got that much going on. Just got the, the man tracker ride in June and June 12th. And that's about it. Anybody ever ask you to be their spokes bear? Like I, I've always been surprised. I haven't seen you in any commercials. Say, hi, oh, I'm Terry Grant. I did a few commercials. Oh, back in like 2010. Yeah. Um, for, for smaller companies and, uh, the commercials came out and then they disappeared and the company disappeared and it's done. So, yeah. But, uh, but no, I've never been the spokesperson for anything. It's uh, in my head. I got Rocky mountain equipment. Well, yeah, that'd be cool. That'd be cool. Yeah. You hear that Rocky mountain equipment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. See down at, down in our country, Rocky, Rocky mountain equipment is a tractor dealership. So yeah, uh, that's what it is here too. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, there's a couple cool. of them. There's the big one up at high river there. And, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That'd be cool. Well, there's heavy iron just around the corner. Eric Kveps yeah. is the owner there. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll, uh, I'll give Eric a call right on the sheep river there. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Neat country. No, other than that, I don't have much going on. Going to get out and do some fishing now. Season's all done. So yeah. Do you fly or, uh, or I like to fly fish, but I, I'm not that good at it. Yeah. So, uh, I, I tend to fly fish at the lakes when I stay longer than I should. Yeah. And it's getting, you know, six, seven, eight o'clock. Then I'll bring out the fly rod and, you see the fish rising and then catch a few that way. But mostly I, uh, you know, I'm a gentleman fisher. I show up at like eight o'clock in the morning and fish till four and go home. Yeah. But, uh, but there's some pretty nice lakes around and you can, you can catch whatever you want within, you know, a couple hour drive. So it's pretty good. Pretty good fishing. I, uh, I enjoy fishing, but only if somebody invites me out. Oh, is there? A, you know, I just, know. it's not, I got, I got hooks, I got reels, I got rods, I got stuff. Um, I just, I just don't go, Yeah, you know, but if somebody invites me, I'll never say no. Yeah. You know, but. I got a pretty good deal on a boat a couple of years ago and I got it fixed up now. So I, I just go out and I go fishing when I want to go. I, nice. If I find somebody to go fishing with me, great. But if I have nobody, it's like, I don't care. It's good alone time. <laughs> yeah. I got spot lock on my. Can you track a fish though, Terry? No. No, you no, can't I track catch a fish. A different one every time. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I enjoy fishing. I I do enjoy getting out in the boat and and uh, you know fishing with somebody new or something like that. It's pretty fun. Yeah, it's a good way good way to relax and 
enjoy the day. It's pretty cool. It is. Well, Terry, I think we're about there, brother. Are we about done? I think we're there. Our four hours is up. Yeah, our four hours is up. <laughs> it only seems like four hours. I just drag it out. Oh, no. <laughs> when I when I do my public speaking and stuff in crowds, you know, when I've got a couple hundred people in a hall, I normally have somebody at the back of the room that waves at me at the hour mark. Yeah. I tried to do it without that person one time, and I'm like, I'm getting really dry. So I <sighs> drink some water, and it's like, what time is it? And they're like, day 30. It's like, holy crap, that's an hour and a half. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I guess we'll wrap this up. So, so yeah, I, I timed flies when you're just talking and having fun and visiting all kinds of your different parts of your life. Oh, I that's just cool. really got to pee. That's why we're wrapping oh. it up. <laughs> <laughs> Too much coffee. <laughs> Too much coffee. All right, brother. Thanks so much for being on the show. Thanks, again. Mark. It's been a pleasure. All right. You're listening to Operation Tango Romeo, the podcast. Big shout out today to my friends at the Vancouver Island Works Project. They are sponsoring today's episode and they've also created a website for me at operationtraumarecovery.org. So kind of them and so generous. A fantastic company I invite you to go check out at viwproject.com. Their suite of services includes consulting, training, mentorship, web services, and digital marketing. So if you need a kick-ass website, go check them out. viwproject.com, Vancouver Island Works Project.